بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما أما بعد فالسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته إن شاء الله tonight we will continue with the tafsir of the beautiful surah Yusuf and we started the tafsir of this surah last week and we got up to the point where we mentioned the dream of Yusuf alayhi salam that he had when he was a child he was 12 years old he had this amazing dream that he saw 11 stars and the sun and the moon making sujood to him so he goes to his father who is a prophet of Allah Yaqub alayhi salam and he tells him about this dream and Yaqub alayhi salam the first thing he tells his son Yusuf alayhi salam even before interpreting the dream for him he tells him don't tell this dream to your brothers don't tell this dream to your brothers because if they find out about it, they will be jealous and their jealousy may lead them to harm you. So he warned his son, don't tell your brothers about the dream because they're jealous. And then he told his son the interpretation of the dream. So his son at this point was only 12 years old. So Yaqub told him that the interpretation of this dream is that when you get older, you will become a prophet of Allah, just like your father is a prophet of Allah, just like your grandfather was a prophet of Allah, just like your great-grandfather was a prophet of Allah. Remember Yusuf السلام, as the Prophet وسلم, said about him, he is Al-Kareem ibn Al-Kareem ibn Al-Kareem ibn Al-Kareem, the honorable one, son of the honorable one, son of the honorable one, son of the honorable one. Right? That's Yusuf ibn Ya'qub ibn Ishaq ibn Ibrahim, four generations of prophets. So up to this point, when Yusuf السلام, was 12 years old, it was three generations of prophets, right? Ibrahim السلام, then his son Ishaq السلام, his son Ya'qub السلام, all of them had, been, had become prophets. At this time, Yusuf السلام, was only 12 years old, right? So he wasn't a prophet yet. But this dream was glad tidings that, yes, you are also going to become a prophet. So Ya'qub السلام, told uh, Yusuf السلام, about the interpretation of this dream. This dream means that you're going to become a prophet. And it also means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to give you the knowledge of interpretation of dreams. So eventually, both of those things did happen. Yusuf السلام, became a prophet of Allah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the knowledge of interpretation of dreams and that knowledge of interpretation of dreams came in very useful later on in the st story of Yusuf and we'll get to that uh, in a while inshallah. All right, so now uh, continuing from where we left off last week, we spoke about the jealousy of the brothers, right? Now Yusuf he had 11 brothers. 10 of those brothers were half brothers, meaning they had the same father, Ya'qub but different mothers. They, were, they, they, they did not share the same mother as Yusuf 10 out of those 11 brothers. But one brother was a full brother, meaning he shared the same father as Yusuf and also the same mother, right? And that was bin Yamin, and that was the younger brother of Yusuf So Yusuf at this time, he's only 12 years old. So it means bin Yamin is even younger than 12 years old, right? So bin Yamin, this, this young kid who's even younger than Yusuf he was not involved in the plotting and the planning and you know the scheming and the jealousy of the older brothers. So he, he was not part of this at all. The younger brother, Binyamin, had nothing to do with it. But as for the 10 older brothers, they were jealous. They, they even said uh, 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 that Yusuf and his brother, that Yusuf and his brother, Yusuf and Binyamin, they are more beloved to our father. They're more beloved to Yaqub than we are. And we are, you know, a strong group of young men. And those two are just little kids. You know, they can't really even help Ya'qub 
with so much. They're just still, they're still so young. They're so little, but we, on the other hand, you know, we take care of the, uh, you know, we, we take care of, of the work that he needs done. We, we tend the sheep, we do this and we do that. So they thought like, you know, we do so much, we're strong, we're big, we're a group, right? But still the love of our father, it seems to be more towards those two, towards Yusuf and Binyamin rather than us. So they were jealous. So their jealousy led them to scheme against Yusuf alayhi salam. They, they said to themselves, you know, we need to do something to get rid of him. We need to do something to get him away from the eyes of our father so that, you know, the, that, that love that he had towards Yusuf alayhi salam, it will come upon us instead. So this is what their jealousy led them to, to plot and to scheme. So those 10 brothers, the 10 older brothers, you know, they, they have a meeting amongst each, other's, uh, amongst each other and they, they, they discuss what are the options, what can we do to get rid of Yusuf. So they actually, you know, what came up in the discussion, one of the, one of the possibilities that came up in the discussion was actually to kill him. They said, Uqtulu Yusuf, let's just kill him. That'll take care of it. Or, you know, if you don't want to kill him, then maybe we can just throw him away in some far off land where we'll never see him again. And if we do this, then the face of our father, it will be only for us. The love and the affection that he used to have towards Yusuf, it will all transfer to us. This was their thinking, right? And after this, they, they knew that what they were planning was a big sin. Whether they kill Yusuf or whether they, you know, separate him from his father in some other way by throwing him into a far off land. They knew what they were plotting was sinful and it was evil because they were believers in Allah. Their father was a prophet of Allah. So, of course, these are people of Tawheed. They, they believe in Allah. So they knew that what they were doing was sinful. They knew that it was a major sin that they were about to do. But they still wanted to do it anyways. That's what their jealousy led them to do. And they said, And after we do this, after we commit this big sin, then we will repent to Allah and we'll be righteous from then on. Right? So that was their planning. That we're going to commit this sin even though we know it's evil, we know it's bad, but we're still going to do it anyways. And then afterwards, we'll become righteous after that. Right? So that's what they decided to do. The oldest brother from amongst them, uh, and he was named Yahuda, and some Mufassirin mentioned that his name was Rubil. Right? So there's some difference of opinion who was the eldest brother. But the eldest brother, he said, La Yusuf. We can't kill him. That's, that's going too far. So he had more sense than the rest of them. La taqtulu Yusuf. Don't kill him. We cannot kill him. Instead, we'll just take him out and we'll throw him in a well. Right? There were a lot of wells that travelers used to pass by and draw water from, right? So he just said, like, look, we'll just throw him in, in one of those wells. Eventually, some travelers in a caravan are going to pass by. You know, they're going to they're gonna find him in that well and they're going to take him away. And, you know, we, we will be free of him without killing him, right? So that's what he suggested. All right, uh, some caravan will come and, and collect him and they'll take, they'll take him away from us. And, you know, we, we won't have to deal with Yusuf anymore. So we will be free of him. We can wash our hands off of him, right? So if you want to do something, that's what you should do. Don't kill him. So they agreed upon this. They said, okay, we won't kill him. We will take your suggestion. We will take him out uh, and we will throw him in a well. So now the next part is that they needed to get permission from their father to take Yusuf out. To take him out basically for a day trip. Like, you know, we want to just go out into the desert and have fun and then we'll come back in the evening. So basically that's what they, they wanted to tell Yaqub let Yusuf come with us and he can enjoy with us. He can have a good time with us. So, so they go to their father. They say, قَالُوا يَا أَبَانَا لَا عَلَى يُوسُفُ They go to their father to ask permission to take Yusuf out on a day trip. 
right, out into the desert to have fun and to play. So they say to their father, Oh, our father, Ya Abana, oh, our father, Malaka, what's your problem? La ta'manna ala Yusuf. Why don't you trust us with Yusuf? Why do you feel unsafe with Yusuf being with us? Why do you feel fear for his safety if he's with us? We're his brothers, we're older than him, we will protect him. So why don't you trust us with him? Why don't you feel that he is safe with us? And surely we are sincere towards him. We love him. He's our brother. We will take care of him. You know, you don't have anything to worry about if he's with us. We will protect him. So they, they, they try to talk to their father in such a sweet way. Right? They said to their father, send him out with us tomorrow. We're going to go out into the desert tomorrow to enjoy, to have a fun time. So why don't you let Yusuf come with us? Send him with us. The 10 of us are going and we would like our brother, our little brother to come with us. We want him to enjoy with us as well. Send him with us tomorrow. He will have a good time. He will enjoy himself and he can play. In, in another qira'ah, it is we will all have a good time and we will all play together, right? And surely we will protect him. We will take care of him. We will make sure that he is safe. So they gave these assurances to their father. And, you know, when they're talking to their father like this, they're actually lying because they have no intention to take care of him. Their intention is to just take him out to get rid of him. So they're talking like this to, to their father while they know that they're lying in what they're saying to him, right? So then what does the father of Yusuf السلام, reply to them initially? What does he say to them? Initially, he denies permission. He says no. He says no. And he tells them that if you take Yusuf, then that will make me sad. Right? So it just, this really kind of shows the attachment that Yaqub had towards Yusuf He said, He said, that it would make me sad if you take him. They just want to take him for a day trip. He's just going to be away from Yaqub for a few hours. But Yaqub said, even this, it will make me sad. That's how attached he was to Yusuf that he always wanted him in front of his eyes. And being separated from him, even for a matter of moments, even for a matter of a few hours, even for just part of a day, it, it made him sad. That is how much he loved Yusuf So he actually told them this. He said, It will it will give me grief or it will make me sad if you take him because then he will be away from me. Secondly, he gave another reason. He said, And I also fear that a wolf may eat him while you are not paying attention. That you guys will be doing your own thing, playing or whatever. And, you know, a wolf might come and eat Yusuf while you guys are unaware or while you guys are not paying attention, right? Why did Yaqub specifically have fear uh, that a wolf may come and eat Yusuf? The Mufassirin have mentioned that Yaqub had earlier had a dream. He had a dream that he was on the top of a hill. Yaqub is on the top of a hill. And 
on the valley that's at the foot of that hill, on the bottom of the hill, there's a valley. And he saw his son Yusuf in that valley. So Yaqub on the top of the hill, Yusuf in the valley. So just try to, try to imagine that, right? And then he sees a pack of 10 wolves hovering around Yusuf in the valley, right? And nine of these wolves are ready to pounce and eat Yusuf But one wolf from among those 10 wolves like blocks the other wolves from eating Yusuf right? This is what he saw in his dream, Yaqub 10 wolves, nine wanting to eat him and one protecting him basically from the other wolves eating him, right? This is what he saw. And then he saw the earth open up. He saw the earth open up and Yusuf was taken inside. The wolves didn't get to eat him. But the earth opened up and Yusuf was taken inside. So he saw this, this dream, right? And that's why he was afraid that a wolf may come and uh, eat Yusuf. So he mentioned this to uh, his sons, to his 10 sons. And I, I fear that uh, a wolf may eat him while you guys are not paying attention. So the 10 sons, they retort back to their father. They said, how can a wolf eat him when we are a strong group of 10 strong men? One wolf against 10 strong men. We can easily over, overpower the wolf. We can easily defend Yusuf from that wolf. So if a wolf manages to eat our brother and you know we as 10 strong young men are unable to do anything, then we're really, really losers. If you think that we cannot defend our brother against one wolf and we're 10, 10 strong men, then you know we're losers. So they, they talk to Yaqub in this way. And they, they continue to try to convince him and to prove their sincerity towards him. And eventually Yaqub after taking a promise from them that you know they would bring Yusuf back safe and sound, they gave their word to their father. They gave a uh, promise to their father that yes, you know, we're going to take care of him. We're going to make sure we bring him back to you safe and sound. They promised him. So then Yaqub said, okay, Bismillah, you guys go ahead and you take him. So that is how Yaqub gave permission for his 10 elder sons to take Yusuf on this day trip, right? And he told them like, look, you know, this is my son. I, I love him very much. He's and he's still a kid, so I, I want to make sure that you guys take care of him completely. If he gets hungry, feed him. If he gets thirsty, give him something to drink. If he gets tired, you know, you guys are going out into the desert. There might, might be a lot of walking and stuff like that. And he's only 12 years old. If he gets tired, then I want you guys to carry him. And they gave assurances to their dad that, no, don't worry. You have nothing to be afraid about. Whatever he needs, you know, we are at his service, right? So Yaqub gives permission and they leave. They leave. And when they leave, Yaqub is watching them leave, right? So as they're leaving, they're showing great uh, kindness and great generosity and great respect to Yusuf. They're not even letting him walk. They're carrying him as they go. You know, they're carrying him on their shoulders. So one of them carries him on, on the shoulders. And then, you know, the next one carries him on the shoulders. The next one carries him on the shoulders. As long as the father can see, they make sure that they, they give him this show. That look, look how we're treating Yusuf. Look how we're treating your son, right? So they do that until they are out of the eyesight of Yaqub Until Yaqub cannot see them anymore. Once they are, they're sure that they are out of range and Yaqub cannot see them anymore, 
the one who had Yusuf on his back throws him to the ground, right? Throws him to the ground pretty violently, right? And then Yusuf is, 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 is surprised, like what's going on here, right? And then he sees that all of them are against him. They start pushing him around. They start hitting him, you know? When one of them hits him, he tries to take refuge in another. And then that one hits him as well. Then he tries to take refuge in another. He thinks, okay, this one is going to take care of me. This one is going to take care of me. But, you know, all of them start pushing him around and, and beating him up and stuff like this, right? So it's, it's very traumatic experience for him, you know, 12 years old. So then finally he goes to, he goes to his, his eldest brother and he said, you know, you are the, you're the main one. You're my biggest brother. You're, you are the one who in the absence of my father, it's your responsibility to take care of me. And then even the oldest son, who was the most sensible amongst those 10, the oldest one, he actually even slaps Yusuf, right? So this is the type of, this is the type of treatment that he was getting from his brothers, right? And eventually they reach a well and they decide, okay, we're going to throw him into this well, right? So they throw him into the well. And as they are throwing him into the well, you know, he's hanging on as, as much as he can, right? He's hanging on to the rope, right? Or he's hanging on into, in, 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 uh, he's hanging inside the bucket, right? And then when he's about halfway down, right? There's still a long way down to the end of the, to the end of the well. He's only about halfway down. They flip the bucket upside down to make him fall all the way down. Because even though they agreed not to kill him, you know, some of those brothers still wanted to kill him. Some of them still wanted to kill him. So he falls all the way down into the well. And the reason why they did this is because they wanted to kill him. And the eldest brother actually got upset with them. He said, like, you, you know, you promised me that we're not going to kill him. We're just going to put him in the well. So they said, okay, okay, okay. You know, he ends up in the well, at the bottom of the well. He splashes in the water and he's okay, alhamdulillah. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't get hurt that bad. He's able to climb out of the water and there's a stone there at the bottom of the well and he stands on that stone, right? And then he starts to cry. Remember, he's still a, a kid. He's only 12 years old. Now he's in the bottom of a dark well. His own brothers have betrayed him and thrown him into this well. So he starts to cry. He starts to cry and, and he starts to call out to his brothers. So then the brothers call out to him, Yusuf, Yusuf, are you there? They want to see if he's dead or alive. And then he thinks when, when he hears their voices, he thinks, okay, they realize that they shouldn't be doing this and they're going to save me now. So he says, yes, yes, I'm here. I'm here. He calls out to them. So when he calls out to them, they realize he's still alive. So some of them, they still want to kill him. Even after reassuring their eldest brother, they're not going to kill him. Some of them still want to kill him. So when they hear that he's still alive at the bottom of the well, calling out to them, one of them takes a stone and he wants to throw it down to smash basically Yusuf at the bottom of the well. But the older brother notices this. The eldest brother notices this and he said, stop. Stop, you can't kill him. <coughs> you can't kill him. Remember, we promised, we made an agreement with each other that we are not going to kill him. Do not do this. So they said, okay, okay. And they left him alone. And they abandoned him in that well. That is what they did, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, When they went away from their father and they took Yusuf alayhi salam with them, and they all agreed that they're going to throw him into the bottom of the well. And they did that. And then when Yusuf السلام, was at the bottom of the well, Allah gave him some comfort by, by inspiring him or by giving him some revelation. 
لَتُنَبِّئَنَّهُمْ بِأَمْرِهِمْ هَذَا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to him while Yusuf salam was in that well, in the darkness of that well, abandoned by the people that he trusted the most, right? Betrayed in such a, such a treacherous way. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him comfort by telling him, وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْهِ لَتُنَبِّئَنَّهُمْ بِأَمْرِهِمْ هَذَا وَهُمْ لَا يَشْعُرُونَ A day will come where you are going to remind them of what they have done to you today. A day is going to come where you will remind them of what they did to you today and they won't even realize. They won't even realize who you are, right? And you're going to remind them about this day. So this is reassurance that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to Yusuf alayhi salam that look, a day will come where you're going to inform them about this. So what does that mean? That means you're not going to die. You're going to survive this. You're going to get through this. And a day will come where you will actually have the upper hand over them. And you're going to remind them about what they have done. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving this reassurance to Yusuf alayhi salam so that he can remain patient. That, you know, this is surely going to come to pass. Yes, I'm in a difficult situation right now. I'm going through hardship right now, but this is not going to last forever. This situation is not going to be permanent and I'm going to get through it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him that reassurance. And that's something that we can learn as well whenever we go through difficulties and hardship. Remember that it's not permanent, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises, Surely with every difficulty, there comes ease. Surely with every difficulty, there comes ease. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he reminds us uh, about this, right? So whenever you're going through hardship or difficulty, Know that it's going to be temporary. Know that it's not going to last forever. And know that a period of ease is going to come whenever it comes. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows it's the best time to come, it will come. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala promises that he will make ease after difficulty, right? So you just have to trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and trust in his plan. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave this 12-year-old scared young boy who has just been betrayed in the worst way by his own family, by his own brothers, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives him this reassurance. And it is mentioned by the Mufassirin that he stayed in this well for a period of uh, three nights. So he was in the darkness of that well for three nights, right? And in the meantime, the brothers of Yusuf, these 10 brothers who did this crime, they needed to come up with a story to tell their father about what had happened after giving him all of these assurances that, you know, we're going to keep him safe. We're going to protect him. Now they needed to come up with a good lie, right? A believable lie that they could present to their father, Yaqub alayhi salam. So what they decided to do is, is use the exact fear that Yaqub alayhi salam had ventured to them. Yaqub alayhi salam was afraid of what? Of a, of a wolf. A wolf may come and eat him. So they thought to themselves, like, look, he was already afraid. He was already thinking that maybe a wolf might come and eat him. So that's already in his mind, right? So if we just tell him that, yeah, whatever, whatever you thought would happen, you know, we were wrong, you were right, that actually happened. They thought that that was the most believable lie that they could tell to their father. So that's what they decided to do. That's what they decided to do. So what did they do then? After throwing Yusuf السلام, in the well, they go back to their father and they tell him that, oh, our father, you know, we we're playing and we were racing with each other. And while we left Yusuf with our belongings and our supplies, you know, he's only 12 years old, so he can't race with us. We're big and strong and we run really fast. So we thought that we would race amongst ourselves. And while we were racing, we'll just leave Yusuf with our belongings and our supplies. So we did that. And while we were running, you know, we weren't paying attention to what was happening with Yusuf. We thought that he was safe with our goods and our supplies and our belongings. And a wolf came and 
ate it. So they go to their father in the night with this excuse. This is, this is the plan. This is what we're going to tell our father. So they go to their father crying in the night. They go to their father at the time of Isha in the night and they're crying. So the Mufassirin have mentioned about this ayah. Why did they go back to their father in the night? Why didn't they come back to him in the day? The Mufassirin have mentioned the reason why they came back to him in the night was because it is easier to tell a lie in the dark than it is to do so when there is light. Because when a person lies, you can see, or some people are able to see, that this person is lying through their facial expressions, through their eyes, right? Many times when a person is telling you a lie, they can't like look at you straight in the eye. You can see some changes in their facial expressions as well. They look nervous. You know, maybe you'll see them constantly swallowing. You'll see like gulps in their throat while they're lying to you, right? Maybe their voice will shake and crack. So these are some of the physical signs of a person who lies, right? So they thought that let's go to our father in the night rather than the day. And maybe, you know, it'll be easier to, to tell these lies to our father and he won't notice that we're lying. So that's why they go back to him in the night to tell him the lies in the night. And they're crying, right? They're crying as they go back to their father. And of course, this cry is not a sincere cry. The ulama, or the mufassirin have also mentioned about this ayah. This is proof that a person can falsely cry as well. Usually crying, usually crying is a sign of sincerity. When someone did something bad and they cry, it really means that they feel regret and they feel guilt over what they did, right? That's usually what crying means. But it is possible that a person, a person's cry can also be a lie. It can be a fake cry, right? And this ayah proves that. Because these people, they weren't, they weren't crying out of regret for what they had done. They were crying to sell a lie to their father. So this, these are two benefits that we get from this ayah. They went to him in the night and they were crying. They went to him in the night because they thought that they could hide their lies better in the night. And they were crying, but their cry was a cry of falsehood, not a cry of sincerity and truth. Okay, so they go to their father with this fake cry. And what do they say to him? Exactly the plan, exactly the story that they had decided upon. They said, Ya Abana, Kalu Ya Abana, Inna the Habana Nestabit, Watarakna Yusufa in the Mataina, Faakala Huzib. They said, Oh, our father, we went racing with each other and we left Yusuf with our belongings. And while he was there with our belongings and we were not with him, he was eaten by a wolf. He was eaten by a wolf. So when they told this story to their father, they told this lie to their father. It is mentioned in some books of tafsir that Yaqub alayhi salam, he fainted. That Yaqub alayhi salam fainted, right? And they got worried that what have we done to our father? And he wouldn't wake up for a while, right? They tried to wake him up. They tried to put water on his face and he didn't budge. He didn't move. And it is mentioned in some books of tafsir that the oldest brother tried to actually put his hand by his nose and mouth to feel, is there any air coming out? Is he even breathing? And he couldn't feel any breathing. Right, so they actually thought that they that the father died. They thought that Yaqub died after hearing this news that his son had been eaten by a wolf. So when they thought that he died, they felt then they felt very bad. They said, "Look, you know, we we abandoned our brother, and now we killed our father too." 
They said, oh, what have we done? Woe upon us. We abandoned our brother and we now we killed our father, right? But Ya'qub salam, he was actually not dead. He was just he was just unconscious, you know, and he was he was really, really hurt very bad by what he heard. So he fell unconscious. And at the time, you know, close to the time of Fajr, at the time of about Suhoor, he woke up, right? And he asked his sons, you're saying a wolf ate him. Okay, so so show me the so show me his shirt. Show me his shirt. Right? When you got to the body, the you know, the clothes, the shirt must still be there, right? So didn't you bring it back? They said, Yeah, we brought it back. They thought about this. They thought that yeah, he's gonna ask for some evidence. So, you know, we need to make sure that all our ducks are in a row and we need to make sure that we have an answer for everything that he asks. So what did they do? They took the shirt of Yusuf alayhi salam. Before they threw him in the well, they took his shirt off, right? And they slaughtered a goat. They slaughtered a goat. They took some of the blood from that slaughter and they just rubbed it on the shirt of Yusuf alayhi salam. Right? So now they have Yusuf alayhi salam's shirt and it has goat blood all over it. But what they, what they neglected to do is they didn't rip up the shirt at all. The shirt had blood of a goat all over it, but the shirt was perfectly intact with not a tear in it. Right. So if a wolf, if honestly, if a wolf came and attacked a person, yeah, you will see blood on that person's clothes, but you'll also see the, the clothes are all torn up into shreds. Right. But the shirt of Yusuf was completely intact and it had this blood on it. So they present the shirt to their father. They said, yes, this is his shirt. And see, this is his blood on it when the wolf attacked him and ate him. So then Yaqub he realized that this was a lie. He realized that this is a lie when he saw the shirt and he said to his sons, in kana and surely this this wolf was very merciful even though he ate my son he was still so merciful how did he eat the meat of my son without even tearing the shirt of my son he didn't even rip it at all so he ate my son yeah but he did it in a very merciful way it seems right he didn't even rip the shirt so basically, this is his way of telling his sons that I know you are lying. I know that what you are saying to me didn't really happen. You guys did something to my son. And now you're trying to sell this false story to me. Right? So this is the story that they gave their father. And as they gave him the story, they also said, وَمَا أَنْتَ لَنَا وَلَوْ That you know, even if we were telling the truth, you still wouldn't believe us. So basically, you know, even though they were lying, they basically, the way that they were speaking to their father is like they're admitting they're lying, right? They said, You wouldn't believe us even if we were telling the truth. So basically, you know, that's like a subtle admission that we're not telling the truth. Imagine saying this to a person, you know, you wouldn't even believe us even if we were telling the truth. The fact that you're saying, even if we were telling the truth, what does, what does that mean? It means we're not telling the truth, right? So this is what they said to their father. You wouldn't even believe us even if we were telling the truth. This is what they said to their father. They were very defiant. Even though they had just committed a great crime, they, they still tried to stick to their story and they were very defiant and they did not admit what they did to Yaqub alayhi salam. They did not admit what they did to their father. They did not admit 
what they did to their to their brother Yusuf to their father. And they came with this false blood, the blood of the goat on the shirt. And, and Ya'qub realized what was happening. And he said to them, Rather, this is a story that you people have made up on your own. I know that you're lying. I know that this is false. And I know that you are not telling me the truth. So... The only thing that I can do, the best thing that I can do, the best course of action is for me to have a beautiful patience. I'm going to be patient. This is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon me, right? I'm going through this hardship and this calamity as a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what he wants from me in this type of situation is to be patient upon his decree. So that is exactly what I'm going to do. Another lesson that we learned. The best thing to do in situations of hardship and difficulty is to be patient, right? Understand that everything that happens to you, it happens only by the will of Allah. That no musibah, no calamity befalls anyone except by the permission of Allah. And whoever believes in Allah, whoever keeps their faith in Allah, Allah will guide this person's heart, right? So, Every musibah, every difficulty, every calamity that a person faces in his life, it is written by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants from us is to remain patient. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya amanu sta'inu sabri wa salah. O you who believe, seek help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through patience and through prayer. So whenever you go through difficulty and hardship and you need the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are you supposed to do? Have sabr and pray salah. Istainu bi sabri wa salah. Two things. Have patience upon this difficulty that you're going through and pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift this calamity, right? So, you know, the whole world is going through a calamity right now. and We can learn from this, right? The whole world is going through this COVID-19 crisis. It has really changed all of our lives in many ways, right? So how do we deal with this? Bi sabri wa salah, right? We have patience. This is the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And also we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his forgiveness. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lift this calamity from us. Right? These are two things that we need to do. Have sabr and, and pray salah. And make dua. Right? Inna Surely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with those people who are patient. So this was the attitude of Ya'qub alayhi salam. Fasabrun jameel. Surely patience. It's beautiful. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one whose help is sought against that which you are describing. I know that you people are lying. And I know that the story that you have told me is false. But I seek the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala against what you are saying. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his help in this situation. Right? So this was the beautiful reaction, the beautiful attitude of Ya'qub alayhi salam after losing his son. Yusuf Imagine, you know, this is one of the worst nightmares of any parent, right? To not know where your son is, to to not know how you know how he's doing, to not know, no, to not know what type of situation he's going through. This is this is a nightmare for any parent. But Yaqub alayhi salam, look how look how he handled it with 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 beautiful trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and patience. Patience is beautiful and the, the help of Allah is sought. I seek the help of Allah. Allah, right?
So this is how Yaqub dealt with uh, this tragedy. All right, so in the meantime, while, while they came back to their father and they gave this false story and stuff, Yusuf السلام, he's still in the well, right? Now the oldest brother of Yusuf السلام, remember we mentioned that yes, he was part of the plot and he was part of the plan, but at the same time, he was the most merciful out of those 10 brothers and he was the most sensible out of them. He's the one who prevented them from killing Yusuf السلام, and you know he is the one who had the softest heart, even though he also was, was guilty and he was part of the whole thing too. Still his heart was softer than the other brothers, right? So during the, during the time that Yusuf was in the well, the oldest brother of, of, of Yusuf Yehuda, he used to go to the well. He would go to the well and drop some food in the well for Yusuf to eat, right? So, you know, he still did have some compassion in his heart, even though he did a really bad thing. He still had some mercy in his heart that he would go, you know, while Yusuf was in that well. He was waiting that some caravan eventually is going to take him, then he will be gone. But in the meantime, while he's in the well all alone by himself, he needs to eat, right? We don't want him to be hungry. So Yehuda would go and he would drop food in the well, right? So he was doing this for a period of three days. He was doing this for a period of three days. Then after three days, he went back as usual to drop some food in the well. And he realized, he noticed that Yusuf is not in the well anymore. He's gone. He has been taken out. He has been taken out. Right? So how did that happen? How did Yusuf get out of the well? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَجَاءَتْ سَيَّارَةٌ فَأَرْسَلُوا وَارِدَهُمْ That eventually a caravan came. And this is exactly what the brothers of Yusuf wanted to happen. They wanted a caravan to come and take Yusuf away to a faraway land. So eventually that's what happened. After three days, a caravan came. Uh, and this caravan was on the way to Egypt. It was going on the way to Egypt and it was passing through Philistine. So it passed by this well. And they stopped basically for a rest stop. And when they would stop at these rest stops, they would go, they would send a person out to, to draw water from the wells. And, you know, they would fill up their water skins and, uh, you know, they would continue on their journeys. So they stopped by this well for rest, this caravan on the way to Egypt. And when they stopped at that rest stop, they sent their water boy. So, you know, each caravan would basically have someone with them who had this responsibility that, you know, your, your job is to go and fetch water. So they sent their water boy to the well to get water for the caravan. So he goes. And the Mufassirin have mentioned that this was a man named Malik ibn Azhar. Malik ibn Azhar. He was the water boy for this caravan that was going to Egypt, right? So he goes to fetch water. He takes his bucket, ties it to the rope on the well, and puts the... Uh, sends the rope down, sends the bucket down. So Yusuf alayhi salam, he's been in this well now for three days. He sees a bucket finally coming down, that someone is here. Someone is here to save me now. So as the bucket goes down, Yusuf alayhi salam hangs on to it, right? So that when it's pulled up, he will be pulled up as well. So he hangs on to that bucket really strong, right? And Malik bin Dhar is pulling up the bucket, right? And what does he realize? He realizes that there's a boy here. So he's very happy. Like, oh, this is a boy. And why is he so happy when he sees this boy? He's so happy because he's thinking in his mind that we can sell this boy as a slave and we can make a lot of money. The slave trade, you know, that was something that was a reality in those days, right? So, okay, you find this 12-year-old boy, right? He would, he would be worth a lot as a slave. And the fact that Yusuf 
was extremely good looking, that also added to his value. As the Prophet ﷺ said, لَقَدْ أُعْطِيَ يُوسُفُ شَطْرَ الْجَمَالِ That Yusuf was given half of all beauty. Yusuf was given half of all beauty. Can, do you understand what this means? It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he created beauty. He created jamal. He created beauty. And he divided beauty into two halves. One half was given to Yusuf And the other half was given to everyone else. Right? So all the beauty that we see, it is from the other half. But one half, one complete half was given to one person. That's Yusuf Subhanallah. So that's how amazingly handsome and good looking he was. So they pull him out of the well and they see this is a boy, very good looking boy. He can, he can be sold for a lot. We can make a lot of money. So he's very excited. They said, oh, wow, look at this is a young boy. We can sell him, right? So that's what they decided to do. So, okay, in the meantime, when they took Yusuf and they took him into their caravan, the brother of Yusuf Yehuda, who noticed that he's missing from the well now, he goes back and he tells the other brothers. He says like, look, I went to give Yusuf food and he's not in the well anymore. So someone must have taken it. So then they all come out to see what happened. And the caravan is still there. It hasn't left yet. The caravan on the way to Egypt that had stopped at this rest stop, it's still there at the rest stop, right? But now they have Yusuf with him. Malik ibn Za'ab, this water boy, he has Yusuf with him as well, right? And now the brothers of Yusuf they come, they're looking for him around the well and they find this caravan. They find this caravan, they go to the caravan, they investigate a little bit and they find out that Yusuf is with them. Yusuf is with the people of this caravan. So they see their brother Yusuf and Yusuf sees them. And they give an indication, the brothers give a sign to Yusuf They give him a facial expression like, do not dare tell them that we are your brothers. Don't tell them the story. So they give him like a, a look with their eyes. Like you better not say anything. You better keep your mouth shut. So Yusuf is scared. You know, he's 12 years old. He thinks that if he tells what's going on, if he tells the situation, then his brothers are going to take him back and they're going to kill him. So he remains quiet. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, oh, these are my brothers. They threw me in the well. No, he's quiet. And the brothers say that, oh, this is our runaway slave. This was our slave. And he ran away from us. So then Malik ibn Za'ar says, okay, you know, if you want, we will buy him from you. You can sell him to us. And the brothers of Yusuf, they think this is a good idea. You know, we can get rid of him. We can get rid of him. They're going to take him away and, and, you know, we will be done with him. So the brothers of Yusuf say, yeah, okay, we'll sell him to you. We will sell him to you. So how much did they sell him for? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they sold him for a very, very cheap price. But they didn't realize, you know, what they were doing. They didn't know who this person is going to become, Yusuf alayhi salam. And they sold him for a very, very cheap price. They sold him for a few dirhams. The Mufassirin have mentioned how many dirhams they sold him for. They said they sold him for 20 dirhams. 20 dirhams, a very small amount. Dirham is a silver coin, not even a gold coin. So 20 dirhams is really not worth much at all. Really not worth much at all. And that is how much they sold their brother for. 20 dirhams, 
amongst 10 brothers. So each brother took two dirhams. And that is how they sold their brother Yusuf السلام, to this, this, uh, the people on this caravan or the water boy of this caravan that was on its way to Egypt. That's how they got rid of Yusuf and they were very negligent or unaware of how great and how valuable this person really was. They sold him for 20 dirhams, but he was Yusuf alayhi salam. He was someone whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give, would give prophethood to, would give honor to, would give power to eventually, right? They didn't realize, they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't realize the value of Yusuf They didn't realize the value of Yusuf All right, so now Malik ibn Za'ar, he has Yusuf right? And they're on their way to Egypt. Eventually they reach Egypt. And this is how, this is how Yusuf ended up in Egypt from Palestine. So Bani Israel, Yaqub alayhi salam, they were originally from Palestine, but now Yusuf alayhi salam is in Egypt. This is how Yusuf alayhi salam came into Egypt. So he is the first one of Bani Israel to end up in Egypt. Now, then eventually Bani Israel, they all transferred to Egypt, right? So during the time of Musa alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam was born in Egypt and Bani Israel, they were all there in Egypt during that time. So the first one from Bani Israel who came into Egypt, it is Yusuf alayhi salam. So now Yusuf alayhi salam, he reaches Egypt and Malik ibn Adhar, who just bought Yusuf alayhi salam from his brothers for 20 dirhams. Now he goes to the slave market in Egypt. He says, I'm gonna, you know, that, the first thing he wants to do is sell this boy. He knows that he can make a lot of money for this boy because Yusuf alayhi salam, you know, is 12 years old, still a young boy. He has a lot of good years of work in him. He's very, very good looking, right? So, you know, his value is going to be very high in the slave market. So Malik ibn Dha'ar takes Yusuf to the slave market to sell him. So at the slave market, he presents him that, yeah, we have this boy for sale. And the people at the slave market, they're very impressed. They've never seen someone like this before. Remember, he was given half of all beauty. So they have never seen anyone like this before. So... They bid for him. It's like an auction, right? Someone offers a price, then someone else offers a higher price, then someone else offers a higher price, right? So basically they're auctioning him off. And the price kept, keeps going higher and higher and higher and higher and higher until the price reaches such a huge amount that, you know, not many people would be able to afford it. How much did the price of Yusuf salam reach in this auction? The Mufassirin have mentioned that he was eventually sold for his weight in gold. Imagine a 12-year-old boy. And imagine this, the same weight in gold. Not only gold, but his weight in gold and his weight in silver and his weight in misk and his weight in silk. Right? Gold, silver, misk, which is a, a type of perfume, and silk, harir. That is how much he was eventually sold for. I mean, that's just, uh, it's just uh, 
a huge, massive amount of money, right? That's not something that just anyone can afford too. It's not something that a middle-class person can afford. Not even a regular rich person can afford that type of a price. Only someone who is, who is extremely wealthy, whom maybe these days we would call like a one percenter could afford this type of a price, right? So eventually who ends up buying Yusuf alayhi salam? A very, very wealthy Egyptian man. He's wealthy and he's also very powerful. He's one of the right hand, right hand men of the king. He's one of the, the wazirs or one of the, uh, basically one of the cabinet of the king. He's the, he's the secretary of the treasury. He's in charge of the treasury of Egypt, right? And his title is Al-Aziz. Al-Aziz, it means honorable one, right? So because he's a wazir, because he's a, he's a person in the cabinet of the king, he has this title of Aziz. But his name was actually Qitfir. Mufassirin have mentioned that his name was Qutfir. So he's the secretary of treasury, treasury of Egypt, extremely rich, extremely powerful. And he is the one who buys Yusuf alayhi salam for uh, this price that has been mentioned, right? His weight in gold, his weight in silver, his weight in misk, and his weight in uh, silk. So he buys Yusuf alayhi salam and takes him to his home. His home is a beautiful home. It's like a palace, right? So he takes him home and he tells his wife, Qidfir tells his wife, He says to his wife that honor this boy, take care of this boy. Perhaps he can be of some benefit to us. Or perhaps maybe we can even adopt him as a son. So Qidfir and his wife, they were childless. They didn't have any children, right? So Qidfir is thinking that, you know, he, this boy, he can be a benefit to us. And maybe we can even adopt him. Maybe we can take him as our son. So this is what the instruction that he gives his wife when he brings Yusuf alayhi salam into this palace. So now Yusuf alayhi salam is going to spend the next few years, the, the last few years of his childhood, he's going to spend it in Egypt in this beautiful palace, being raised by the secretary of treasury of Egypt, right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about this part, This is how we established Yusuf on this earth. So this was, this was one of the stepping stones to Yusuf alayhi salam eventually becoming a very powerful person in Egypt, right? This was, the, this was the first step as soon as he arrived in Egypt. He ends up in this house of a very powerful man. And this is all part of the plan of Allah for Yusuf alayhi salam. This is how we established Yusuf on this earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that he's going to teach him. Allah is going to teach him the interpretation of dreams as well. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his plan always overcomes everyone else's plans. Whatever Allah wants to do, it will be done. Nobody can stop the plan of Allah. Allah is always ghalib. He is always victorious. His plan is the plan that always happens, no matter what other people plan. But most people, they don't, they don't know this. They make their plans and Allah makes his plans and Allah is the best of planners. As, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, They plan and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. Right? So this is how Yusuf alayhi salam ends up in the house of the Aziz, and he remains there for the remainder of his childhood. The next few verses talk about when Yusuf alayhi salam 
became actually a young man. He's not a child anymore, but now he has become actually, he has come of age. And he has become a young man. And inshallah, we will continue with that part of the surah next week, bi-idhnillah. Uh, if anyone has any questions, we can take a couple of questions now, bi-idhnillah. Jazakumullah khaira wa barakallahu feekum.